2: Hello, and welcome to episode 363 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk... Filmmaking. From indie film, to studio films, to documentary TV and... There's not much else in between. But whatever else is in between, we do talk about. (laughs) We do. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to...
1: Royally F them up.
2: In our very humble opinion. He's Dom Lenoir. He's Giles Alderson. And welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. On today's show, we have two very special guests for you. We have the director Garth Davis and the writer Ian Reid. And they both wrote Faux and Garth directed it. F-O-E. Both.
1: Faux. Both. both of them?
2: Both did it. Uh, it's, it's a super episode. They're both amazing. First of all, Garth Davis. <laughs> no relation to
1: Garth Marenghi.
2: <laughs> Why would he be? He's just got a first names the same. I know,
1: Garths are a rare breed.
2: I'm not related to Giles Brandreth, and you might think I am. You could be. You're not related to Dom...
1: Um, uh, From Fast and Furious. Is there a Dom in Fast and Furious? Yeah, the main, main character. Is he called Dom? Yeah. Vin, Vin Diesel. Yeah, Is he? Yep.
2: That's one not go down in the uh, history books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Name your favourite
2: characters' names of all time. Oh, Dom from Fast and Furious. <laughs> There's not many characters called Giles, by the way. Not many, not many famous ones.
1: So. Guy of Gisborne, obviously.
2: Yes, obviously, obviously. But no one cares about this. No. They care about who is coming up. It's our today's guests. And we recorded these two separately at Premiere Coms. Mm. Uh, Premier Comms office in Tottenham Court Road. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful place. Mm. Um, we sat in their less echoey makeup room yep. and chatted with Garth first and then Ian. So we're going to do it in that order. Does that sound good to you, Dom, from Fast and Furious,
1: to do Garth first? I think so. Makes sense.
2: All right. So Garth Davis, what guy he is. Yeah. His debut movie was Lion.
1: Which is like one of the, the best... Best dramas of all time. He's not lying when he tells you that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah um, And the Lion shares of, of the award.
2: He really did. Um, and it starred uh, Dev Patel and Nicole
1: Kidman. Is that really his debut? That, that's 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 disheartening. That's disheartening.
2: It's not. It's inspiring.
1: Well, it's it? amazing
2: yeah. the fact that he did this. Yeah, yeah.
1: Why is it disheartening? What? <laughs> Who's going to go out there and make their debut film like Lion? It's quite a high high bar to to hit on a a debut.
2: And it's too late for us now. We've already made ours, so we can't can't change it. I mean, it's not a bad debut to have. If you haven't seen Lion, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, And then he went on to direct Mary Magdalene, Mm. um, which
1: starred... Jesus' Wife.
2: Yes, which starred Jesus' Wife, uh, Rooney Mara herself, Joaquin Phoenix, Chiwetel fore uh, as well in the cast. Just whacking
1: that one in. Um, wow. So, you know, it's
2: not a bad first and second film at the gate. Uh, to then go on to direct his third film, um, which is... Fo, Fo. Who does this star? on?
1: Saoirse Ronan and Paul Mescal. And Aaron Pierre, who, uh, who gives a, a remarkable... Remarkable performance. Top, top actors as well as the other two. So Foe is out
2: now. Mm. Um, It's a really cool sci-fi drama thriller. How would you describe this film, Dom? Um,
1: I would describe it as a highly psychological, behavioural relationship, exploration-y type sci-fi that's very grounded in a world that could be five or ten years from now and uh, worryingly believable.
2: This movie was produced by Ian Canning uh, Garth Davies was one of the producers as well as Kerry Kahansky-Roberts and Emil Sherman uh, Cinematographer was Mateus Adeli um, What do we talk about with Garth?
1: Well, we talk gone. about building a believable sci-fi world uh, we, mm-hmm. we talk about getting Paul and Shersha involved Not bad actors uh, We bad Also talk about cleverly masking plot twists through high suspense and emotional engagement. Mm.
2: Two Oscar-nominated actors Mm. there. Uh, We also talk about his debut movie, Lion, talk about raising finance and writing a screenplay based on a best-selling novel of the same name. Mm. Um, So halfway through this podcast episode, we will stop talking to Gar and we will then talk to Ian, Ian Reed, uh, who also wrote the screenplay yeah, We just end the conversation just, with Gar yeah, Just end it yeah. and just, just come out We had a good laugh with him though, didn't we? I
1: wasn't 100% yeah. sure if, if, he was, if he was on side with our
2: with your well, puns,
1: well, no, and I was just saying, my um, our, our comedy <laughs> comedy capers on the, the promotion video.
2: Ah, yes, we did a promo video. <laughs> decide,
1: decide for yourself, when you when yes, you when you watch,
2: when you watch <laughs> this video on our Twitter feed. Um, <laughs> if you do like this podcast, do support it. Do tell your friends. It's important. Um, to keep this growing and building uh, yeah. this is a resource to help you and learn from other filmmakers and what they learnt and the mistakes they made and what we learnt and mistakes myself and Dom and other hosts made as well yeah. along the way so if you did like it do shout it from the rooftops tell your pals uh, follow us on twitter at filmmakers pod or on instagram the filmmakers podcast and if you want to reach out and get in touch uh, email us Podcast at gmail.com especially You're 100% not reply <laughs> I expect we have a lot of emails but especially if you've made a, a feature film and you want to come on the podcast reach out uh, again we're very busy with that good luck yeah good luck but that doesn't mean you can't do it um, that doesn't mean it at all uh, but
1: look in the meantime, it's like a Hunger Games lottery <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a faux lottery we don't, um, we
1: don't We don't. usually sacrifice the filmmakers <laughs> but it has been
2: known it has been known but it, it been known. Um, but, yeah. but look it's a difficult time in the industry right now there's, there's, with the SAG yeah. strike with the right strike still sort of it, even though it seems to be wrapped up it's still not moved our industry and the UK had a huge knock on effect of what happened in America mm. um, so I know times are tough right now I know so many crew members uh have been in touch and said hey have you got anything and look it's the same for me and Dom as well you know as much as we're both writing and we're prepping stuff and we're trying to get stuff going it's really tough and when times get tough you have to reach out to people and try and find some work so we just wanted to and we'll put these in the show notes as well <laughs> just give some places where you can go uh, which i think are the best places and Dom's as well of where you can mm. go seek work
1: to cry Yes,
2: to cries. That's different. That's in the therapy room, mm. um, or in a mm-hmm. blog, or on, or on Twitter. People seem to do it a lot on there.
1: Or a good forest. Uh,
2: or yeah. a good forest. Sure, if there's one near you. If not, yeah. then use a bathtub. Find one.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, so where <laughs> are the good, a good places? One, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At least you can be warm when you're it's crying. It's
2: true. People <laughs> listen to this podcast in the bath, which I find really weird. Hey, guys.
1: Yeah, if you're listening in the bath. Splashing, splashing away. Good for
2: you. Uh, hope it's foamy. So, yeah. where are these good places, uh, Dom? Where do you look for work? Well, sometimes
1: you can look under a pot plant. A rock.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: a rock. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to be serious. Some, sometimes you can. <laughs> We're trying to help people. <laughs> it's much better being funny, though. <laughs> it's much
2: better being funny. Very weird. Um, yeah. So, go on. Uh, okay, look so for work? Sen- sen-
1: sensible places. Um, I hate doing sensible. Um, I mean, look, you can you can throw yourself into into networking. I I used to I used to use Facebook groups quite a lot because there mm-hmm. there is hundreds of London Facebook. I mean, if you're crew, um, you probably are already aware of you know the many many Facebook groups that do have crew calls, um, you know, for corporate work or for film work or, or whatever, whatever. So I mean, they're, they're a pretty good place for sort of more crewy type stuff. So on the Facebook sites, the ones to
2: join are UK Film Crew, Jobs Network, uh, UK TV for, and Film Jobs. Okay. Uh, loving
1: your film work in TV uh, or
2: something? Yeah, in brackets it's loving your work. Um, London Game Film door. Crew Jobs paid film and tv jobs uk they're four of the best ones but there's not too many podcast yeah the filmmakers podcast though we don't post that many jobs on there but we should more and hey if you have one do post on there as well on our facebook page there linkedin is a good place for work the jobs board on there does have a lot of media work especially in video production or game production um that's not a bad place to go if you're based in london um the same with mandy i found mandy a reasonable place uh, there is a lot of student stuff on there and a lot of unpaid work or help me here but there is some good stuff but I think the best one is the talent manager so if you want to get into TV that way if you want to do reality TV or um, make ob- observation documentaries stuff like that then the talent manager is a good one so there you go uh, so if you know of any um, job sites that we have missed uh, then reach out and tell us. If not, the others should yeah, be in the keep show. It to notes. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I put them in there. <laughs> no, Dom. That's not how it works. <laughs> that's just a little bit of help in these tough times. It's not a great bit of help from us, I know, and you're probably all aware of these it's anyway. A pretty small amount, really. Yeah. So yep. apologies for that. Um, but when myself and Dom are crewing up next, you'll be the first to know. If yes. If you give us a five-star review on, <laughs> 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 I am checking those yeah. names. R- 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 on, was, yeah, whoever's uh, giving yeah.
1: the best cake, cake bribes.
2: Yeah, the cake bribes, etc. But actually, on a serious note, do, when you're listening to that this, that does work. On <laughs> that does work. It actually does work for Dom. Um, but if you are listening to this yeah. on iTunes, if that's your podcast suppository of choice, uh, then do. Ple- do press the plus button. That mm. means that it goes into the top of your feed every week, and we go out every Tuesday. We do this every Tuesday. Um, yep. This is our 363rd episode, and I spent the last month adding Crying. in ad spots uh, on every single episode, so yep. that some money could trickle back to us, uh, so that yep. we can carry on doing this. To, to, so apologies to Josh. St- obviously, I, straight to my I pocket.
1: Didn't I
2: didn't no, not any of it No well, And you shouldn't You don't pay for the websites Or the <laughs> uh, Microphones <laughs> Or, or, or the, the ads Um on well, strike Yeah Please Please do <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: But yeah So that's what and So if you do Hear adverts In the middle of these pods And you've heard more lately Go with it Please bear with it, that means a lot, that that makes a difference, and plus I spent time adding them in, so there is that. So look, mm. uh, like I say, if you can support in any way on this podcast, then the big thing is tell your friends, retweet, and if you've liked an episode, put it on Instagram and put it on Twitter. Tell your pals about it, mm. and then we will like you and Don might give you a job, so.
1: Yeah.
2: Enough for that. Yeah. Should we, should we get to the guest? Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? This is a Garth Davis, chatting to myself. And Dom Lamar. And at the other side of this, we'll have co-writer Ian Reed. Yeah. Sit back, relax. Enjoy. How are you doing? Good,
3: yourself? Yeah, good. How's How's you Charles? Yeah. Good to meet
1: you, Dom. Nice to meet you.
3: Hey, Dom. Hey, Dom. Hey, nice right. to meet you, too. Oh, What's
2: going on here? So, podcast. Mike. Oh, okay. Filmmakers podcast, so we talk Dom-making. filmmaking. Filmmakers. <laughs> so yeah. So we yeah. nice get the sort of AJ comfy music. makeup, too. yeah. What do you think, I'll sit, I'll sit
3: okay. here, okay. If you don't mind me, but yeah, not too intrusive. And we've got thirty. How long have we got? Oh, we've actually got about forty. Thirty. Thirty-seven.
1: Yeah, Thirty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That put a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not ten-minute wonders. <laughs> no, no, no. Well We're not that good kind of podcast either. Games, <laughs> oh, I'm getting <laughs> nervous here. Yeah. You <laughs> should. <laughs> so let's uh, start this off respectably. So let's yeah. let's talk about adapting the novel. Um, can we talk about your first sort of eyes on the the idea and the project and how it sort of came to be for you?
3: Uh, Actually, I got a random um, email from somebody who said, hey, Garth, I've just read this book over the weekend. I really thought of you when I read it. You should check it out. I said, Okay. It was someone I didn't even know, by the way. So I grabbed the book and started reading it and uh, yeah, I was really, really taken by it. I mean, at first it was the, it was very visual the book, mm. I could really kind of see it playing in my mind and it had all those kind of Hitchcockian qualities, that old cinema, who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? Mm. Yeah. all that stuff that I miss. But then it just took this incredible tangent and my focus went to this relationship at the centre of the story and, and the real mystery was Hen and why she was behaving the way she was behaving and um, I, it was just such a great rabbit hole and then the rabbit hole just got so deep mm. and deep. So it was just such a beautiful a beautiful idea
1: what was your process coming on board with the novel you you speaking to Ian about how you wanted to sort of take it in your direction as a film medium and a screenplay
3: I I guess we all agreed that um we should move away from Junior's point of view um because when you really boil the book down it is Hen's story ultimately and so we decided to um kind of frame frame the film through her point of view as much as possible bring her story to life um so, that was very exciting. And I guess um, what I was bringing to it um, and what we were excited about was just that world building and just seeing, you know, what, what's the tone and the feel of the performances. Um, even Terence as an antagonist, like how do we make him intriguing and interesting and, and I guess all of that started to kind of flesh out what we we're doing in the film.
2: Mm. Is it something you, you've always liked to do? Because some people don't – directors don't often – like to get too heavy into the screenplay, but I feel like you do. Is this something that you've always done? You've always written as well as thought about filmmaking.
3: Um, I have a love-hate relationship with it because mm. I don't like feeling the weight of it, having yes. to come up with a solution. But also, there is something nice about being engaged with it because you can, you know, you can tell a story visually, and then you can imbue your vision into it. And sometimes you just get a script; um, it doesn't have any it doesn't have a sense of vision or or it's really a very fantastic story or a fantastic script, but like, where's the vision, the, the, the atmosphere. Um, so you can just kind of take an angle on it and write for that, which is very exciting.
1: Mm. So, so what was the world building sort of process for this? Cause it is, it's, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a very plausible sci-fi, which, which I think is always so important. Like sci-fi is like one of the easiest genres along with fantasy, I think to lose your audience in sort of, you know extravagances that don't make sense or you you lose the the credibility but you've kept this very believable um how did you kind of come up with the the ideas for what the world would have in it and what wouldn't have in it
3: i guess in a way that decision helped um reflect the greater metaphor you know because at the heart of the story hen is fight what she's fighting for is that she's saying she, she's very aware that time is precious and that you know a time is precious we should live our lives to the fullest and i guess that's what she's fighting for in the story and i think those external elements if they feel imminent and close to audiences you feel that ticking clock yourself you know feel like we're sliding towards something um which is dystopian um, and in a way hopefully being aware of that that life is precious and potentially shorter than we think maybe we'll reflect back on the way we're living and um so something about that sense of imminence and um not too far away i think just hopefully brings the themes just makes it very relevant to people in the audience where they reflect on their own life because most sci-fis are so far away it becomes more metaphysical or or existential but there's something about this that feels very current um yeah we have a we have a chance not to go this path if we change Mm.
2: And and then when you're scripting that, when you're working that through, especially from a novel as well, it, it's difficult. It's not easy to to bring that across. What was what was your process there? What is your process there generally? Are you are you sort of beat by beat? Do you treatment it? Do you think about it for a while, or do you just plow straight into going right? Let's just put this into script form. Um,
3: I guess um, I guess the way Ian writes the novel is that you know you, you you start a relationship with the with the viewer mm. or, or the reader and yeah. you just keep that chemical reaction alive you know you keep them engaged and i guess we kind of had a general structure idea but the, the main thing was just once once we engage with these characters in the mystery you just got to keep that that chemical reaction alive right. you know so really you're just running with it right. so it's almost like ironing a shirt you know and you're kind of moving along yeah. Um, you've got to make sure the you know the no creases, blowing, mm. it's no blowing, yes. yeah. and and one scene feeds into the next, and yeah. the emotionality is working.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because the the structure of this. You know, again it's you don't you're not spoon feeding the audience at all and you are giving them some surprises um and it, it feels like the the surprises you don't sort of see them coming because you've been so engaged in the emotions of the character that you you haven't actually seen the sort of sleight of hands in the story was that deliberate uh, or was that just something that sort of came out of the, you know the brilliant sort of performances you crafted with the actors
3: i guess that's what really excited me about this material is that the story you the story you think you're watching and then the, the mm-hmm. story that's really happening and that kind of inspired so many rich choices for the actors for the camera um, and that's what was that's what gave the film its kind of personality in, in many ways um, and I guess that's the whole point it's like how we assume different versions of stories or people um, it, it kind of engages the audience in a way that when everything is resolved and, and, and revealed um, it's very rewarding Mm. It's very, very rewarding. And uh, you get back and you go reassess all those assumptions you made.
2: Yes. Was it? Or was this film... I mean, it's such a weird thing to say, but was it kind of always happening? And I know we always say, no, any time a film could fall down. But in terms of this, when you'd got involved, was it already picked up by a distributor a studio? Was it in that process? Or were you kind of going, oh, I'm coming on board with the hope that we can get this to the right place?
3: Yeah, no, we... Um I mean, Kerry Roberts uh, had the rights to the book right. um, uh, at Anonymous Content, and Anonymous Content funded the first draft. Great, right? Uh, okay. So it wasn't sold at all. So mm. once we had the once we had the script, but that helps. Having an anonymous, anonymous Content, yeah. no, it was great. Yeah, so we had yeah. that. We had that aspect. Um, no one then, knows who they are, though. <laughs> and then we went out and um, attached <laughs> the cast. Right. And um, then then we went to market.
1: Well, I mean you, let's let's not let's not skip over the attaching of the cast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cuz they're a pretty good cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. not bad. Paul Paul's yeah. like one of the most, you know some biggest upcoming actors. Yep. Surcia's incredible. Yeah. Aaron um,
2: Pierre as well in there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. He,
1: his his performance is, is incredible. Yeah. Like so so much volatility. How how did that was it just like, "Oh, I like these guys. Uh, I like <laughs> these, I like, <laughs> I like <Saoirse. laughs> These are up and coming guys. Rack, let's rack them up. I mean, how did that actually happen?
3: I mean, I do have a I do have a a drawer full of actors I, I want to work with And find really, really special nice. um, But you work from the story out And, and Hen was the, the person we needed to cast first mm-hmm. Because she's the heart and soul of the movie mm. And there's a couple of things I, I was very conscious of Is that um, it was in the book as well Hen was a very hard character to warm towards yeah. At the yeah. beginning Because she was acting in, in such an erratic way Um apprehensive. Yes yeah, okay. yeah, That's a good one <laughs> My daughter loves those jokes. Um, That's the level he's at. She'll so be cacking perfect. her head off. Um, <laughs> yeah. She'll love that. She'll, she'll want ten more. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'll give go him. Him. <laughs> he's gone. He's gone. Don't give me the title. Yeah. I was talking about. Ten. I had to cast someone that um, that audiences want to go on a journey with, and yeah. also I was very. Um, what I love about Saoirse, Saoirse is the um, no matter what character she plays, you know this beautiful, shining personality kind of pushes through. Um, mm. So, and I just wanted that to feel. Like what's precious in the movie? What's precious in the world? It's dark world. So, um, I mean, she was literally the top of the list, um, and um, yeah, lucky for us, she she engaged. Wow. Um, and then once we had her attached, then I could build out the rest of the cast because it is all about alchemy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. So how had you go and find her husband? Yeah. And, I, um, yeah,
2: and Paul was pretty high on the in the, your little drawer. I, did, as well. I didn't have. Um, oh, was. Paul I, not no, in there?
3: we. When I said I didn't have him on my list, I. I wasn't really sure about Junior. It was a tricky one for me. Right. Um, I find men harder to cast.
1: Yeah, I do. I do as well. I think there's, there's, there's just, there's so many really good, full of depth, female actresses. And to find the male ones, the one, the ones that are incredible, they're just, they're always working. They're always in the sort of the Hollywood machine. It's, I think it's hard to, harder to
3: get sometimes. I relate more to women. There's def, definitely, definitely okay. the thing. I don't, right. I don't relate to men as much. Um, but, um, what I loved about Paul is that he has that alpha quality, but also that feminine quality. Mm, Um, And that's what makes him so special. Mm. But he, you know, he had such a command of the character. He really was fighting for the job. He was passionate. um, And I was just hanging out with him in Sydney, actually. um, And he just felt like junior. Who who, who sort of brought him forward as a suggestion then? Um, It was my casting director, Kirsty McGregor. Mm, um, And she said, actually, Garth, um, Paul Mescal is in Sydney um, and he loves it. He would love to meet you. So I got on a plane right? and we hung out together and um, yeah, it was, it was just perfect. And then I, the whole time I think, God, they're going to be so good together. Was it, was it, was it
1: difficult finding the, we talked about likability, but but there are moments when both characters are not particularly likable and especially some of the choices that are made towards the end. You know, some some of the decisions are very cold. Um, how how was it sort of trying to balance that with the making them likable but also making the story work and
3: that element well that's what makes them so human is that we all we make good and bad choices and that that's what the movie's about it's about it's about change and about choices and looks at stasis and uh you know denying someone's own personality and you know it, there's a lot of um ugliness in there i guess mm-hmm. um but something i think everyone can relate to in in some way shape or form but that's what the actors are excited about that's why they want to play the characters they're not sugar-coated characters but at least you're starting from a very relatable base mm-hmm. um, and, and how
2: but, do you do that how do you get into their mindset and work with them do you rehearse quite a while do you talk it through on set that would be great to know i guess it
3: it first first step is just to hear the actors talk about why they want to play the characters and mm-hmm. and what their insight is and that's usually that their, their initial instincts usually very very special um so that's that that's a great starting point um we do do rehearsal we had a two-week rehearsal period um where I took all the actors um Aaron Paul and Sersha, we went to um a, a nature we went to like a house in nature with wow. lots of forest yeah. I, th- I thought it'd be great sounds terrible yeah it was awesome <laughs> terrible way to spend we a went surfing yeah, and hung out with koalas milled. and kangaroos <laughs> i just thought it was i just thought it was good to kind of be around life mm. and, and and those things that are living because we're gonna the story kind of doesn't have that um and then when you're in those places you just hang out more and yeah. um you get to have these spontaneous discussions as things arise and you get to rehearse all together one-on-one in pairs it was just fantastic Wow! Mm. I mean that sounds like quite a hard thing to get like that that
1: level of rehearsal with that level and of and talent. freedom with those yeah. I mean they're, they're busy people usually it's like you get a couple of days here or you might get a studio somewhere like did you have to fight for that idea or is that always sort of
3: just you know uh, this- I mean I say that right at the beginning I need two weeks rehearsal oh, and amazing. and um and I need it to be clear of stuff because mm. mm. what yeah. they what they always do is in that two weeks book in oh, makeup yeah. check and a hair yeah, check yeah yeah a podcast yeah yeah, yeah. 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 or a podcast <laughs> yes exactly um, yeah look it just means you've got to have as much done as possible mm. Mm. but you know that's what the actors really really want is that rehearsal period
1: I mean in that rehearsal period are you going through every single scene reading it out is it more that you're sort of playing with ideas or, or like are you doing scenes that aren't even in the film is like to try and build the characters
3: um in this movie I did actually rehearse some of the actual scenes um because they were so complex um that we wanted to um just feel it you know and because there's a real dance in the performances you know what you reveal what you don't reveal um, how the eye lines work the rhythm mm. and and also Terence is someone that's so provocative um, how does he do do that and get away with it that's yeah. believable mm. so all of that was um, something we had to kind of touch on at least feel it and go that's that, that feels right that territory and once we once we discovered it we would leave it alone um, the intimate intimate scenes were um, blocked out that was the first thing I did with Paul and search was all of their intimate scenes uh, to work with the intimacy coordinator and um, worked on those um those sex scenes um and um that that bonded them very very quickly. Mm. Very very quickly. Was that
2: something you wanted to do, do that first so that the it didn't become awkward later in case they get you know they become two friends and then it's like oh now we've got to do this. Was that a conscious consciousness? I just didn't choice? want them to
3: keep worrying about that side of things. Yeah. So let's just let's just go to jump it. in. Yeah. Let's, let's get, just it done. get in. Let's get yeah, dirty yeah. straight away and get into it. Yeah, yeah. And um and in a way it just um it just bonded them so quickly mm. so after that everything was that relationship was there mm. so that was really nice it wasn't like we were moving towards something we just started deep right
2: and in terms of that then that rehearsal process and obviously you're saying you didn't do all the scenes anyway but in that are you seeing new shots because obviously you're coming with your own kind of plan perhaps you're already coming with shots that you think might work when you see the rehearsal and the the, the wonderful actors bringing something fresh and new are you suddenly going oh well hang on i could are you there yet or is it when you get to set
3: yeah look definitely things come out of rehearsals that end up in the movie Um, that's happened in all my films Um, and sometimes I rehearse like you said earlier scenes that aren't in the script and sometimes there's things in that that end up in movies Mm so I'm always alert to these things that rise up that are really special Mm -hmm. Um, I guess in this um, because it's so contained um, I guess the one thing that I was very alert to was staging and where characters sit mm. the relationship where like just actually the physicality of can have such a difference to the scene yeah yeah By, are, are you, they close like, together does he go over and sit next to him does he not like power is just it? just all of that was mm. um there were so many ways you could do it which one was the right way was that too much is it too little um so while you're watching the movie it seems very simple it, it kind of isn't it's it's there's a lot of thought gone into it um and uh, it's very layered
1: yeah, I mean, I was, was going to say, like, power play. It, it's like the, the dynamics between who's in charge is very odd, uh, and it, that's what makes it so fascinating between the three of them, because it's not even just the two of them. It's this this guy that's just yeah. there, like, in the middle of things who's got these rules, but, you know, where's the boundary of the rules? I mean, that that was a, a really fascinating sort of, you know, thing to explore within the, within the space. And then you obviously used the location to you know hollowing out the walls so they can watch each other from other rooms and it's very interesting so talking about the visual side um and how you capture all that how does how that process begin for
3: you with you know do you do
1: mood boards do you start with uh visuals
3: yeah i guess before we even put pen to paper um i'm putting together some visuals mm. um and it can be i definitely start with hen so i'd find women that would you know, represent what I was feeling. Um, I'd find pictures and then build out from there. So starting to look at the house and the farm and the, the nostalgia of the house, you know, um, and eventually you might put five or six images together that creates the feeling of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not being literal. It's just stuff that brings about a feeling. Mm -hmm. I look at paintings um, and then looking at the contrast between that and space, um, looking at scale, intimacy and, and, and landscape and in that process i was also alert to the fact that a lot of sci-fi is a kind of um you know very kind of sparse and um kind of blue and steely and all these things so yeah. really wanted to make sure that this had its own unique voice so um the, the farm itself is like a window into the natural world so it's all these earthy colors it's representative of um, a dying marriage decaying marriage and also junior holding on to the past mm-hmm. at the cost of his happiness and marriage. And then outside of that, we kind of hit these um, kind of corporate mega industries um, and really like the idea of color yes. um, as, as a kind of a motif. So it almost felt like that was our sci-fi out there, like almost on another planet. The earth feels like another planet mm. in the future.
2: Yeah, the dusty look, the feel of that, you know, the, the colors within there just looked beautiful that made you feel something already before you'd even you know knew anything or what was happening when you're planning that are you obviously you're shooting in a certain way anyway but you're already trying with your production designer thinking colors everything in that space is already thought through like say you're coming with those images and your vision stuff what, what it's like when someone else comes back with something else and is you sort of go, oh, okay, that's new or that's interesting. Does that happen a bit?
3: I, I guess I, I, d- I just know what I like. Yeah. And um, I'm definitely – I love warm lighting and mm-hmm. um, I definitely wanted that in the house. So I guess um, I would just say to Matthias and, and Patrice, like this is just what I like. And obviously they would present things that may be different and I definitely – you know um adjusted in certain places but I, th- I think they really loved that approach anyway and, and embraced it and, and Matthias came up with ways that that light could be believable but we also went very bold on the birth and the death light so the green and the pink um was a really love so you that idea of color, kind of splashed across and um I think we're all really excited about that that approach um and it was very visual it, it did. I think it, it gave it sort of a, a
1: nostalgic sadness, for almost yes. for humanity, sort of perishing, rather than like the sort of cold, clinical "we're a sci-fi movie," which feels like more of a prop idea than an actual mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and I think that's that's definitely one of the, the sort of the credits of that approach. Uh, it did it did pay off, definitely?
3: Yeah, I mean, it just feels like this could happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's ultimately. Yeah. It. it you know, when you think of what could be something modern in the film, it'd be very simple. You know, so Terence is just using little things that don't. You know, there's nothing to distinguish them from anything else.
1: But then, but then when you go on to the, the sci-fi elements, let's let's talk about the car because it's, it's it's uh you know it's one of the most sci-fi props in, yeah. in in the film. But it's it's great. It kind of gives it gives you a bit of the personality of Terence as he as he arrives and he's he's like lounging at, at right angles and the, the chair comes up. I mean, something as simple as that. Uh, uh, what angle someone in an automated car sits and lays at actually informs, you know, the entire world of sci-fi. Like, talk about building the
3: car, building those ideas. Yes, very, very hard to get the car right. Um, And we actually went backwards in time. We went back to the early future cars from the 70s. So, the concept... So, in the 70s, what they were thinking the future cars are going to be. Going to look like, yes. And um, they just felt more grounded and more real um so i guess we got inspired by that um it just felt right for the movie um we went and then you know patrice was very keen on actually building it wanted to build the car so that's a radical idea um so we went to a company called Weta in New Zealand. Yeah, um, of course. And, we um, yeah, we, we've heard of them. Yeah. And they small did, company. Uh, yeah, yeah. Small company. My old track record. Yes, yes. You <laughs> might. They did a great job. They did a great right. job. And they also helped us with the vacuum bags and all, all of those <clears throat> kind of prop devices. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they they managed to build this car that actually drove. It drove up to about oh, wow. 60 kilometers an hour. Um and you haven't asked for that as a memento as to keep after I don't know film? if I want it. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was always hilarious, yeah. buzzing down the road. Yeah. yeah. We took it with us, you know, into the Outback as well. So oh, wow. it was kind of funny to see the car yeah. buzzing down the Nullarbor plane.
2: Yeah, middle of nowhere. How, what when you've had issues, you know, with any film, but we're talking about Faux right now, you know, where there was a problem on set, things do go wrong or it's lashing down with rain, or it's too hot, whatever, when you film, or well, the sun's in the wrong place. H- how do you cope as a director? What does your mind do? How do you go, okay, how do I need to get around this? Obviously, you've got a team, but at the same time, you're holding so much in your head. W- what do you do when something goes wrong?
3: You just try to avoid that situation happening, but things do sure. go wrong. Things do go they wrong. Do, yeah. um, sometimes it leads you to a better place, weirdly. Mm. What's, what feels like a catastrophe, actually go kind of glad that happened. Um, look, you just, you know, you, all you're trying to do is make every day great. And when you get a good day in the can, you're going, great, we just got just got another 20 days to go. And, and you just never want anything to stuff up. You don't want the movie to fall over. So yeah. I guess it's always a challenge when something like that happens. My biggest challenge was where we built the house set. It is a technically a wetland, but it doesn't fill up with water. It only fills up with water every 17 years. And there wasn't <laughs> meant to be water for at least another ten. Okay, um, but okay. global warming, oh, um, right. so it started raining, and um, this water was kind of coming up the way, and I was very concerned that we were going to be underwater. Wow! So that was my biggest, biggest challenge. That wasn't um, for the rain theme, though, was it? No, no, no. no. That, that was controlled. I'm guessing that was controlled. But but yeah. yeah, all the usual challenges of filmmaking are at play, and you know some of that stuff I love. Yeah, mm. sometimes weather is your biggest foe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was actually good yeah? Always good that was, they're always good to be fair
3: you need a visual
2: <laughs> yes <laughs> visual That's little fun. light goes on <laughs> um on the like the locations and things like that are you very again specific because like you say you built something i, I didn't know you built it which is quite nice um are you always thinking that way well the landscape's better here so therefore if i can build it here is that something you prefer rather than using location? Obviously, you've got holes and stuff in the wall, but in terms of using an actual real location as opposed to building one,
3: I love real locations. Definitely, it's right. my it's my absolute passion. Um, there were I just couldn't find the right farmhouse on the right block of land. It just didn't all work together. We found we found the farmhouse in Canada mm. that we really loved. Um, Patrice went and forensically studied it. <laughs> came out to Australia and we. Shifted the floor plan a little bit to support the story, and then we just basically rebuilt that house. Oh, nice! Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I guess what was good about that—it's it, as close as you can get to finding a house mm. on a location. So in a way, we 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 kind of honouring that idea, um, yes. but we copied this house, put it on this extraordinary uh, parcel of land. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant that every time you walked to set, you were in the world of the story. It wasn't something you had to imagine. Yes. Yeah.
1: I think that's always such an important thing as well. Like if if you can, because it's not just for the actors. I mean, it will help the actors anyway. It helps mm. the director, helps the cinematographer, helps makeup, it helps everyone absorb themselves into this world when you can actually shoot on location. And I think it's such a valuable thing.
3: Especially for such a kind of insular story, um, just feeling the scale out the window or having a character walk from inside to outside is so helpful. mm to, yeah. to just making the audience aware that they're somewhere bigger than the mm-hmm. four walls, um, super important. And then we built um, part of the house on stage. Yeah. Um, so okay. some of the more complicated night work or yeah. water work we would do, do on, on stage. Space station you didn't build, I'm guessing. <laughs> Space station we built some pieces. Yeah. <laughs> um, we did have quite a lot of chickens. Um, okay. Okay. So yeah, that, that was all broken down. Brilliant. Right. into into kind of set pieces
1: was there anything after the shoot where you're going to test screenings and you've you've imagined it fits together perfectly and every reveal pays off in the perfect time and you haven't got something and you think okay I need to well you have got something but you think okay well, I could get a pickup shot for this or or that or maybe we can restructure the edit was was there any moment
3: like that um no I've never done a pickup shot before oh, wow. um good, no I've never done track a track record what I've never done a pickup. Wait, before. you've never done a pickup? No, oh, right. never. On any of your films? No, never. Making us all that's
1: feel a feel a bit useless. Really,
2: really inadequate now. No. Not one pickup. No, pick no,
3: up? no. Don't do pickups. Um, Good for you. I guess. Are you, are you yes. not allowed? <laughs> like well, no, probably. That's no. what I'm told. So that's maybe exactly. why I haven't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just not something that has ever been entertained. Um, and, you know, I, I usually get everything I need mm-hmm. um, or options and variations, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was tricky for us because I don't know what it's like to watch this movie for the first time. Mm-hmm. So when we're editing it, we are only kind of guessing at what the audience may be getting or not getting.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yes. you know all the tricks. That, that's, that's that's the problem. Especially with those reveal films. Um, I mean, if you look at something like The Game or whatever, the first time you're watching it, it's you don't know at all what's going to happen and then you get to the end and it... Suddenly it's, it's blown away But as soon as you know it You're looking for all those things Which is very difficult As a You know An outside creative I, I mean I suppose Your editor is, is also having to try And force themselves To be ab- objective All the way through that um, did, did you feel like Did
3: you do test screenings yes. To try and Yeah yeah, yeah. No no um, What we did a lot Was put the film in front of people Who knew nothing about the story mm. To see if Our intentions were coming across And Nine times out of ten They weren't Oh or, or, or it was too obvious or not obvious enough And, and yeah. it was kind of amazing Like you were saying earlier Just how swept up you were In, in the story you think is happening yeah. That you kind of Because if you look back at the second time It's pretty obvious yeah. You know what's going mm. on um, yeah. So it's just amazing um, It's just amazing that, that that mysterious thing Of how people watch something um, So I guess we were doing that a lot And just finding It was calibration mm. the Editing once we got the structure that was working. It was really about calibration.
0: This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers.
1: And the ending was that sort of, Almost identical to the novel, or did you kind of play with the ending and, and how the film kind of ties off?
3: You mean the very end? The very end. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember what the novel does. I thought you were going to say I can't remember the end. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I remember the end of the movie. not the, um, the movie. <laughs> but yeah, the third act was really enjoyable because once you know exactly what's happening, you're just so emo- you're able to be emotionally engaged mm-hmm. with all the characters, I guess, and especially Hen. So it was just a really fun ride that that last that last act. Yeah, um, and I guess you know I love the. Um, I love, you know, which life is the audience going to choose? You know, yes. they're going to be on the porch with the fake wife drinking the beer, yeah. or are they going to be on the plane? Yep, following their destiny. Do you? Do, what would do you, you choose?
2: <laughs> 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 of course, we're going to put you on the spot. Sorry, I'm with Hen,
3: man. I'm with, oh, Hen. with
2: Hen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah, be nice to have a bit of 50-50, wouldn't it, I suppose?
3: <laughs> 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 yeah, you can strike like a balance. Like time, time, yeah. share, time, time, time share.
2: Time share it out. Friend or foe. Hey. Um, <laughs> what do you do? Wait, did you always want to make a, and I'm putting this in very uh, inverted commas, sci-fi? Was that something, you know, your films aren't that way or not necessarily inclined. Has that always something you wanted from when you are younger, from when you wanted to direct yes, movies? Yes, I love,
3: I love, um, um, love sci-fi. Okay. Yeah, yeah, love it. Grew up with all those great movies.
2: Yeah, Blade Runner. Yes. Star um, Wars. The Thing. The Thing. Uh, okay. Alien. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah.
2: And were they the movies that made you want to direct? Were they the things? Oh, that I love those movies. Yeah? Yeah, I Did
3: still love them today. I still watch them. Yeah, um, of course. We just don't make them anymore. No, no. no. So I guess that's, that's what I'm... Hoping to, hoping to do is yeah. to bring a bit of that back
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think that,
3: that's the movement that, that really needs to come back is like the
1: movie inverted comma it's like a it's not the biggest biggest blockbuster but it has brilliant acting it has a story that's been thought out and it's, it makes you think but people wanted to make those movies yes yeah. they had yeah. a vision
3: and they wanted to make it and the yeah. actors wanted to act in it that's it it's yeah. not a product that's kind of put together that's it. it's, a hollow um, product Mm. And we're just remaking that stuff rather than like, where is the new vision? So I guess um, I definitely had that. That's in my DNA right. um, is, okay. is is character driven and bringing in the genre would be great. I also have done over 20 years of commercials where I do ah. all sorts of crazy shit there, mm. but yeah. never really came into my... So this was, you know, I could bring a bit of that in. So, so jumping back to your sort of early mm. roots, how did you get started in film? Um, I was a huge film lover, but never... Wanted to be a filmmaker, um, but I went to art school, mm-hmm. uh, four years of uni, which was kind of a fine arts slash graphic design degree. Um, and then the computer was designed <laughs> just in my second leaving. year. Oh, okay. Not in too my second bad. year. Um, <laughs> and then the internet was designed in my final year. Wow. It was designed. And I hated it. It was <laughs> really? like we went from mm. being artists, painters, yes. like cameras, Creativity dark, to Yeah, it's suddenly like everyone's on a computer yeah. with mm. a hunchback. And it was just like, mm. so that's when I moved to film cameras right so I thought oh I'm not doing that so I just started mucking around with film cameras and um, I guess that's how it started weirdly Um, and I got into advertising because um, I was I don't know if you know a company in London called Tomato back in the 90s Um, they did typography animation They were the hottest thing in the world Okay. Um, I think we need to catch up and why not associates right okay Um, (laughs) yeah so I was doing stuff like that like um, like experimental animation with topography and picture i was getting into wow. that it was like my progression yeah. um and then everyone in advertising wanted me to do that and then eventually i was doing that in advertising and then um the ideas grew into stories right. so the the live action thing just grew and then i guess ultimately uh, my dad bought me a camera for my 21st birthday it was like a 16 mil bollocks yeah. And I was invited to do this little arts project. And I was, I was filming stuff and I cut it together and I, I felt emotion between two characters. Yeah. And that's when I really fell in love with it. And that's when I did a full U-turn. Right, um, okay. Yeah, it was... That was, that was magical.
2: Yes. It's a ma- when you read that magical moment, feeling it? you feel it, you go, yeah, oh my yeah. yeah. God, this? You
3: type the film together, you yeah. project it and you go, <gasps> and people feel something. You yeah. go, whoa, wow. okay, this is cool. Yeah.
2: I did that. I made someone feel something or my team did.
3: It's, it's pretty yeah. incredible, isn't it? Then I realized, oh, this is a really beautiful art form. Yes,
2: it is. And how did you then from there make your first film? Because that's so difficult.
3: It's really hard. Well, I did commercials for a long time. So you had, that was my money, film school right? really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was just waiting for the right film. Is that is that where your lack of pickups sort of comes from? Is that is that the the, <laughs> <Yes>. the, the, <laughs> the hard commercial? Because yeah. you have to uh, stick
2: in commercials, stick to yeah. the brief. That's
3: yeah, it. There's no, there's yeah, no very deviating. very experienced in in shooting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, huge budget commercials, and um, I mean, even Greg Fraser, who yeah. sh- he was yeah. a cleaner in my office. He was a cleaner, um, wow. and um, you to clean your shoes. He the floor and uh, go, what are you working on? And we got together and we used, we used to start shooting stuff on the weekends together. And wow. we kind of grew up uh, from that period taking those leaps of faith with material and shooting stuff. And yeah, we just, I guess we just had this fearlessness and just liked to make stuff mm. constantly. So
1: how did it go from sort of hobby, hobby sort of filmmaking at this stage to, well, and, and commercials, but you know, to first sort of feature in, in that territory
3: well I, I guess I, I started to get um, high up in the commercial world and then actors really liked my commercials and then I was asked to do a TV series with a big Australian actress uh, called Claudia Carvin uh, a show called Love My Way and I, was, and I really liked the show so I did that, that was like baptism by fire um,
0: sure, yeah. that was
3: like holy shit we're shooting 8-12 to 12 minutes a day on 16 mil. it was really stressful mm-hmm. that was a real wake up call but, you know, managed managed to pull through that in a, in a good way. And then I was pretty determined only to do things that I really wanted to do. Um, and then um, eventually Jane Campion approached me with mm-hmm. um, Top of the Lake. Yes. Um, yeah, Not a bad thing to be approached with. Yes, so um, person. that was a pretty overwhelming offer. Yeah.
2: Um, and it was an offer. It was a literal, almost
3: direct, no pitching type. I didn't have to pitch. I had to meet her. Um, yeah. But... Uh, you know she had to kind of look into my eyes yes. what, what what made her what made her realize you were the guy for it
2: his eyes you'd have yeah. to ask <laughs> you have to ask her that
3: but i do know for a fact that a lot of a lot of people that she like greg for example who mm-hmm. shot bright star yes. he would have had a lot of my work on his reel nice. uh, so she okay. probably joined the dots a little yeah. bit um and there are a lot of similarities you know we do approach things in similar ways um so i, I you know she obviously felt safe mm. in there somewhere um how, and how was it? It was
2: amazing. Yeah, because yeah. suddenly you're now doing the thing you've always dreamt of doing. Yes,
3: exactly. Know. Yeah, that was that was the one experience where I felt completely myself. Right. You know, I could really spread the wings working with amazing actors with good material, mm. cinematic, um, a mixture of drama and genre. It was it was a dream come true, really.
1: And I suppose you'd already worked with fairly large actors in stature. Um, from all the commercial work So it wasn't Not really actually, No okay no. So, so what, what was the, What was your first big mm. actor And how did you sort of deal with that pressure
3: My first kind of Moment of awe was um, I was in the car park <laughs> And Peter Mullen was there In a dressing gown with ah. a cigarette Yeah Classic oh, lovely moment. peter And um, classic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell yeah, It Because yeah. um, My Name is Joe Was like Yeah Just such an incredible movie mm-hmm. And uh, so I was Actually like completely in awe of that man yeah. um, So oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a classic He's great yeah So um yeah, I guess all these heroes that I had were, were suddenly there. Right. Um, it was kind of terrifying, yeah. um, but yeah. also super exciting. And just, you know, to them, I was really nobody. Um, but they really let me in. Once I get a feel for you and see where you're going, they, the trust builds. And then by the end, we we're all just so so collaborative. It was fantastic. Is that is that the way
1: to break the ice? Is it to sort of not, you know, not force them into conversation, but, you know, really get them to engage in the material so that it's not just like, well, I'm here to do my thing and you're the new person. It's like, we're we're having a conversation that breaks down the barriers.
3: Yeah. Look, I I guess, um, it was unique to me because it was Jane's story. Mm -hmm. So in a way, you know, I was the second director, so it was hard, um, in that regard, but you know, actors, they know what they're doing and, and, um, uh, they know that each director has a vision. So that was fine. Um, But I guess with your own material, um, again, I think the actors are very smart. They'll connect to the material and get a sense of your work and they will take a leap of faith. Like on Lion, I did have those actors take a leap of faith.
2: Mm. And Lion, I honestly Uh, fell in love with Lion. We can't not talk about Lion real quickly.
3: Yeah, I sat with a a
1: friend and... and, uh, like the, the least likely guy to ever cry, we were just both like <laughs> tears pouring out. I mean, that's mm. just like one of the best dramas ever made. It's a stunning yeah, film, you really
2: should is. be so proud. We, yeah. Honestly, it was just like, yeah. this is amazing, deeply film. moving. So yeah. good. How did it feel for you to get that response, to get that feedback? I don't know if you felt it at the time, but oh, yeah, outpouring yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. love. No, it's visceral,
3: it mm. was yeah. a huge response. Yes, I don't know, just I think it was just one of those stories that Connected. doesn't matter who you are, you can connect to it. I mean, everyone understands family. yeah and and home and love Mm. and the power of all of those things um doesn't matter who you are where you're from yeah it definitely unites it all so yeah it it did move people i think i did a screening here and a test screening and uh there was a like a an english plumber like (laughs) really yeah he was crying oh yeah and he goes oh i just gonna go see my brother yeah (laughs) you know know, people were people were changing their lives Mm. yeah Yeah.
2: and isn't that nice that we can do that with film And the fact that we can change people's lives with film, is pretty special. And you've done that over and over again. Well, I was
3: in India um, showing the movie. Yeah. And this lady stood up with some criticism. She said, sit out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She said that boy in the train station screaming for his mother and no one helped him. She said, that is a bad representation of India. And I, I I resent that. And she said, you trying to tell us that that actually, is that actually what happened? And I said, well, Actually, I filmed that with hidden cameras. Hmm. He was calling out for his mother, wow. and no one helped him. Your move, lady. <laughs> 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 That's what you. <laughs> and then she cried. Oh, oh there we go. Wow. There we
1: go. So it was a resistance to crying. So actually, was was. I
3: said, you know, I'm not here to manipulate people. Yeah. This is a true story, and yeah. as unbelievable as it is, it is. Yeah. It's yeah. true. Oh. Oh, so that man. was pretty amazing. Uh, so yeah. What what a film.
2: What a film. Yeah. Um, foe is also yeah. what a film. And again, you've 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 knocked it out of the park. Can't yeah. wait to see what you do next. Um, before we let you go, um, uh, our last question.
1: Yeah. Top top bit of advice to younger version of you struggling in the industry or someone else starting out. Uh,
3: what I do say to to directors starting out is um just just keep making stuff. Mm-hmm. Just just make stuff. Um, don't put so much pressure on the outcome. Mm. Like Casavetti's always said, be a beginner. Always be a beginner. Yes. Um, so it's okay to make mistakes, like have that courage. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I think is important is to find your voice in your work. You can start out, you know, being inspired by people and copying, but at some point find your voice. Mm. Um, because if all the movies out there can have distinct voices, wouldn't that be amazing? Mm. It would. I mean, yours would be great. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. <laughs> is I'm great. taking this His as an endorsement. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm
1: like, I'm, like, I'm not sure if there's a bit of bit of mocking behind yeah, it. I, no, I feel there's like like some, some genuine warmth. that was warm. It, got, it was warm. Yeah, yeah, it was good, warm
2: yeah. I yeah. believed it. Dom's got good. a <laughs> film called Foes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> for sure Faux sure The sequel. Brilliant. Garth, honestly. Thank you.
3: Oh, yeah, oh, you. Yeah, P H O. Yeah.
2: P H O. show.
3: Yeah, we really
1: enjoyed this chat. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It was fun. Great, great movies. Keep making good movies oh thank you that's very kind of you yeah.
2: real pleasure you take care you All too right. thank you thanks, thanks. Bye. Bye. bye bye what a guy he
1: was we like we like garth we like garth. we
2: love garth he was funny he was funny he was,
1: funny. He was yeah.
2: very informative and he had some great stories and
1: may or may not have liked us <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think he liked us i think he was maybe no, confused yes. by you yes i think he was yes yeah <laughs> no he loved you of course he did did.
1: we had had a lovely time with Garth yeah we
2: did. we had a lovely time so Tho is Mm. out now uh, in was and on Prime Uh, it's on Prime in the UK so go watch Prime Yourself yes Prime Mm. Yourself for this movie Uh, so as an extra treat here is the fellow screenwriter along with Garth Ian Reid who also Mm. wrote the book
1: yeah it was on a read to know basis oh god Um, yep yeah, it was, it was quite nice. It was quite nice hearing from an, an author perspective, and you know, when you create an, a novel, you there's so many minor details and background information that sort of get written on the actual page. Um, so there's there's a lot to there's there's a very big resource to build from when you're adapting a screenplay, um, and I think with sci-fi especially, there's it's all those those side and background information that makes the world very rich. Uh, so it's it's great to great to have it on and discuss how that relationship worked
2: so ian reed um he got a special thanks on the social network which was mm. david fincher's movie uh he co-produced and wrote uh, i'm thinking of ending things which was directed by charlie kaufman and he is a producer of the tv series apples which hasn't come out yet and he's been on the filmmakers podcast so here nice. he is. That's
1: the main accolade. That was the main accolade from that list. Forget, forget uh, Kaufman. Exactly.
2: Forget. Now he's made the big time. Forget yeah. Fincher. Um, yeah. Now he's made the big time. This is it. So let's get to it, shall we? Without any further ado.
1: Or do do. This is
2: Ian Reid, uh, mm. the co-writer of Faux Hmm.
4: Is it pronounced Ian? It's Ian. Ian. Oh, okay. Just it's the the Scottish spelling. The oh, extra nice. I. Okay. Both of my uh, parents' families are Scottish, so they they kind of that on me and then my whole life i've been getting misspelling mispronunciations i get lane a lot and oh, okay yeah. so i'm fine with anything basically yeah <laughs> great we're getting close yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll call you dorothy yeah <laughs> that's fine that's fine so, Dorothy's good so,
1: so how, how are you feeling i mean this is such a great sci-fi it's so thought-provoking it's subtle it's like that classic kind of asimorphy style of of you know thought
4: thought-provoking you know storytelling How did you come up with the, you know, how did it start for you, basically? Well, it started um, for me, I guess, when I started writing the novel, you know, going back to almost a decade now. Um, My previous novel, I'm Thinking of Anythings, came out in 2016, and I started writing for a couple of years before that, before that novel came out. So, um, and really sort of two things started my uh, path writing the novel. One was my brother... Who is a scientist and um, works in the space realm? Uh, I always wanted to use him as a resource. I thought, you know, what, I could write some kind of interesting story about space um, because he has—he's someone who I've, you know, I've seen, I've gone to like see space movies with, and he's like ruined them in the first five minutes or something. <laughs> one he's of like, those guys, one of those brothers. He's like, it would never happen this way. This is yeah. not accurate. Yeah. and I'm like you can tell me that at the end because mm. so, now the movie's ruined yeah, you know exactly. so it's like I, yeah. I, I can't watch the rest of it yeah. in, in the same way yeah
2: why is Mohanahe in a bookcase that's yeah. just yeah. could <laughs> yeah. not
4: happen Ex- yeah, exactly so <laughs> I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna use him I, I didn't know how I didn't know what the story would be I didn't have an idea yet to write about space or to use it but I knew I had him there and I because I would always just pepper him with questions and I'd be with him about that I, I was really interested in it so that was what was in my mind one and then when I was thinking about writing a novel, I had uh, around this time I attended an award ceremony, um, and this author was 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 winning an award, and he thanked his uh, his wife in such a way. He said something along the lines of, well, "I just want to thank Jane for always being there, for always being my support." And then I kind of, you know, everyone was like, "Oh, that's nice." And but but something in that moment, for whatever reason, I was like, "Oh, that feels kind of icky or something." Like. What, what is Jane's thing you know she's I don't think she's just there to like prop you up your genius mm-hmm. um, but that's sort of how he described it and so because it was very subtle it felt even worse to me somehow and I thought yeah that's interesting there's a lot in relationships that are like that I think that can happen that way that can that can shift a relationship or write some kind of narrative slowly over time it wasn't something that maybe was affected quickly or once the way an affair can ruin a relationship you know, overnight. And I thought, that's really interesting. I'd like to write about that more. I didn't know quite know how. And so I had this image of an old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, very isolated. And within that farmhouse, two people were living there, and they were living there in the context of that particular kind of relationship, where one person was kind of writing that narrative for the other person. And to me, that felt very confining. If you were the other person in the relationship, and so then based on that confinement, I realized well the opposite of that is space, which is literally endless. We don't know the end. Of, we don't know what the end of space is. Mm. So that felt like a, somehow a natural fit. So I, I thought, how can I bring space into this, even if it's just a metaphor? Um, and so that's what I started to do. And so in that the process of that, I talked to my brother a lot. I got all this stuff about space, and by the end when he read the first book came out and he was like, wow, I, that's, I really like it. But he's like, it's not really about space at all. <laughs> I think he wanted it to be more about space <laughs> yeah. because all his stuff, he give did, me the sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I said, you know, well, that's kind of just a metaphor. It's not, it's not really about space. Yeah.
1: But I, I think sci-fi in general, I, I, I think some of the best sci-fis are brilliant because they explore drama and the human psychology in a deeper way than you could normally, because you look at things from a, you know, an exaggerated perspective, that really gets into the sort of nitty-gritty of those relationships. So was, was that always, was it always clear, like, okay, I want to make this like a real sci-fi? Because, I mean, it could have been sort of set in, you know, slightly more, more sort of drama territory.
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, when you when you were saying that, something a, a book and film that, that often comes to mind in this kind of context is Under the Skin, mm. you know, because it's a novel that, to me, when I read it, I loved it, and it definitely has, you know, it's in the context of science fiction because there's an alien, and, but it's not really, you know, it's not, a, it's not a traditional full genre science fiction novel at all. It's literary and it's a story trying to get at stuff. And the film to me was the same. It's a very different. It's an amazing adaptation that I personally love, but it's not hard science fiction. There's just that element of it to, to give it the context, kind of like what you said. So that to me was in my mind, the idea that you can take various pieces of genre but it can still be a human story you know it can still be something that feels like it's outside of the confines of that while still using the parts that feel exciting and, and so that's sort of what i had in my mind and then i and then i try not to strictly adhere to anything too much i i like the idea i, I never write an outline i just want to follow what feels surprising what feels inter- interesting and, and pursue that you know and if, if I can take some elements of genre then that's kind of cool and some people get thrown off by that I think a little bit so with my previous book I'm Thinking of things, it was the same when, when it first came out some people were calling it a thriller or a horror and and I, I that's kind of I love when people interpret it in their own way um, and to me it was just a story you know it's like it's a novel and and um, but if that's how people feel about it then I think they have as much authority as I do you know if they've read it.
2: Mm. Where, I mean, it's fascinating where your ideas come from generally anyway. Have you always been that way? You know, as a child, were you always imagining ideas? Is this where the idea of wanting to write came from?
4: I, th- I think the idea for wanting to write came from a couple of things. One, my dad is a professor of English and so mm. grew up uh, with tons of books. I grew up on a farm, but with tons of books on it. It's a very old, you know, 200-year-old farm, small farmhouse And my mom was very interested in like children's literature and liked to read and would read to me when I was young and my my siblings. So I think inherently I grew up around stories and around books and grew to like that. And that was a context that was familiar to me. So, you know, I appreciated that. as far as the writing part of it, I I did as a youngster. Th- my parents would tell me I was always writing little notes and leaving them around. Like they would might go out, or and I would leave little notes. And so I think that there was something about just the act of writing that you know that I enjoyed. And the the, the part that I feel like I, has stayed with me from a young age that I use now is 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 being observant of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of sort of technical aspects of writing that I'm not very good at, and but. I do feel like I'm observant just in my day-to-day life that's something and that's generally and the stuff I work on what I'm most interested in is the ideas you know not so much plot or I, I'm really interested in ideas and when I write about something it helps me understand it and, and it seems to me I'm, I'm without design am drawn to write about relationships pretty much again like I'm thinking of anything's People at first, oh, is it? You know, there's a there's a biochemistry element, and but it's about a relationship. And foe, oh, there's a space element or an AI element, but it's really about a, a relationship and a certain kind of relationship. And I think, what's more relatable to almost everybody than relationships? We've we've all experienced them, right? So,
1: I mean, I think the relationship actually. It, it stops you from guessing what the twists are I mean, We are going to go into the twists and turns but yeah. it does actually because it's kind of going down such an intense path with, you know, their relationship kind of degrading and being pushed to, you know, extreme heights you actually get away with some of the you know, the really sort of U-turn story moments without really questioning them at all um, because the characters are so so immersive I and mean, what what was the process from turning that um turning this into a book into a, a script and how you got involved in that
4: yeah that, i mean that was to me a really fun uh, prospect to think about was getting to revisit a story and characters in that way the, the way it was told a novel which is you know hen the way she speaks when she's talking to junior we realize at the end it's she's actually not necessarily talking, talking to junior and so there's lots of subtlety in how she speaks, what she says in her dialogue, and if I thought, okay, if we're going to do this as a, a screenplay, now I'll get to revisit all that and and add new things and maybe maybe take some things away. I, I always have a hard time stopping a project, you know. If I'm writing yeah. a book, I always want to keep at it because because you feel like you can keep making it better, you know. But at some point, you have, you know, an editor is like prying it from your hands, saying like, we have to put this out now. And, um, so it, it sort of did feel like a second chance, but even even better than just a regular second chance was to revisit it in a new form, which is as a screenplay. And to do it with Garth, you know, he and I met first to talk about what the movie could be, not thinking we were going to write it. But we hit it off and and you know, I liked his vision. I appreciated his vision, and I thought what he could bring to it if we wrote it together, but really more importantly I think was just my comfort level with him I, I could see the way he was as a person and I'd had a great experience with Charlie Kaufman on I'm, think, I'm Thinking of Anythings as as he adapted that I didn't write the screenplay he did but he was very nice to me throughout that whole process and it was such a great introduction to the film world to work with someone like that to see how he treated everybody on that movie and and I really got a similar feeling from Garth when I met him that he was a kind person generous person and so i don't know a lot about writing a screenplay but that's what i want to do it with i'm just going to try it and do it my way but if i can do it with people who are like that who treat people well then i'll be happy doing it
2: i love that i I like what you said about second chance as well it's quite interesting that once we've finished something that's out there in the world it's not yours anymore it feels that way sometimes it's like okay i I did that and other people have an opinion on it. Other people say it should be this. Or, you know, why was Mahonahay, you know, in the bookcase? You know, all that kind of thing. And I think it's...
1: Leave, leave Mahonahay alone. <laughs> no,
2: leave Mahonahay okay. alone. <laughs> T-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag T-shirts. But in terms of, like, uh, that's... I, I, I really like you said that because... How long was it before, since you'd finished the book? And then it went, right, you're actually starting the screenplay. How long ago?
4: It was a long time. It was years because I started writing for the novel probably in 2013 or 2014 right? Um, and then it it took a few years to write and then there's always like a year lag at least before the publisher will release it and Mm -hmm. it came out in 2018 as a novel and and you're right that does always feel like the most important part of it like it's the end of the process when people interact with it it's not really a thing until that happens Mm -hmm. and in the case of a novel at least it is just words and so it feels like a discussion then with a reader as the author i feel this way and then as a reader too when i read someone's book i feel like i'm having a discussion with the author Mm -hmm. you know i'm gaining kind of access to their the way they're thinking and the way the characters are thinking i love that experience you know and and so for me once a book comes out and i feel this way about a film too but people then get to interact with it and interpret it how they want and that's what i want them to i don't i really would never want to tell someone here's what you should get from this book or this movie because sure. what's the, then what's the point that's just me telling you what to think or there's thing there are books and movies like that and for me that's not that appealing i'd much rather put something out and then really give people the chance to interpret it how they want mm. and there's no wrong way to do that you know if you read the book or watch the movie and you interpret it your way then i think you have as much authority as i do to say what it's about totally
1: what, what was that
4: co-writing process
1: like in terms of keeping maybe what you had envisioned in the novel versus taking on board his ideas was there any sort of ways where it went kind of uh, away from the original vision um that you know that were great as part of the collaboration or do you feel like it sort of kept fairly close and there was like stylistic influences that more crept
4: in um i mean i think really i tried to once it was decided that garth and i were going to do this together something i i had in my mind i didn't want to have I didn't want to have much in my mind because I wanted to not feel oh I'm supposed to do this wrong but one thing I was thinking about was to not feel too beholden to the novel um, because the novel will always be there it's a standalone thing and this would be a chance to do something new with the material in a new form mm. and also to have a collaborator with you know, someone like Garth who's going to bring his own ideas and his mm. own visions and so to be open to that I, I didn't want to do this if I felt like, oh, we have to do this because this is in the book or let's let's take that as inspiration and let's expand it into something else. That's that's new and standalone. And it was so fun to do that. You know, I, I, I really enjoyed that that process. And, um, you know, I feel when I finish something that I. I start to, like for a few weeks, I'll be missing the characters. Sounds oh, yes. silly, you know, no. but, but 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 I do, because I, they become such a part of your life for a long time when you're working on it and you care about them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it almost felt like I had to revisit these, these friends, these characters again and, and do it myself, but then also through the eyes of Garth and how he was interpreting it. And then the same thing with the actors, you know, when they're asking before filming questions about backstory and about the characters and... It's something I could talk about a lot because, you know, it's something I've been thinking about. So to see the different layers of collaboration on a film is so so unlike a novel and it's also so rewarding. And, and, and I'm just grateful for that part of the filmmaking process. All of these people who are, in their own right, smart, talented artists who bring their own version to it and make it better.
2: Mm. What was it you found that you couldn't keep in like obviously sometimes with novel it's so descriptive it's so you know you've got this in your mind but actually in in a script in a uh, feature film or tv you can't have those in because it doesn't make sense or it doesn't move the story along yeah was sometimes you went i want that in and garth would say well actually no because because how's that
4: i mean it's a great question i I, a couple things one there's there were certain um aspects of the form of the novel that just because it's it's different in a screenplay that wouldn't be applicable and for anyone who's read the novel would know that there's like for example there are certain times where I've removed quotation marks in the novel
0: mm-hmm.
4: and that's a form thing it's also a little bit about the story and obviously you can't do that there's no quotation marks you're not reading it in a movie so that as an example would something so totally different I think as we are writing it one thing the novel is written in the first person and it's written from Junior's perspective he's the narrator and it was decided early on um, that we really wanted the movie to be more about Hen and her experience within this relationship. So shifting that perspective a little bit, we also wanted to, you know, hear from Junior and hear and, and experience his sort of journey. And but really, the story revolves around Hen. And I'm glad we made that choice because you know once Saoirse came on and she's so amazing in it and really embraced that and it's so much about her performance so i think that was something that really shifted a little bit from the process of novel into screenplay
1: so if we've got to wrap up now but just if you had one tip to anyone who's a novel writer wanting to adapt into a screenplay or, or vice versa um would you have a bit of advice on that you know
4: i think what i would say is just follow what feels exciting to you don't don't get bogged down in thinking I'm supposed to do this. Here's the way, you know, here's the best way to write a screenplay. To me that, I never understand that because there is no right way. Um, There should just be the way that feels right to you and to, to follow and use your voice. You know, each person has their own voice and we're all worse off if we try and follow someone else's or fit into something else. But anybody can do that. Anybody can follow their own and don't think too much about what they're supposed to do or what will be popular or just if it feels exciting and, and 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 original to you then i say go for it you know that seems exciting to me amazing
1: well it's such a fantastic absorbing and uh, complex sci-fi i uh, highly recommend it so well best of luck well
2: thanks for your time Ian. appreciate it
4: thank you guys so much groovy thank you guys that's great yeah
2: Ah, there we go. That was our episode On FO with Garth Davis and Ian Reid. I hope you enjoyed that. Mmm, what a treat. What, what a, treat. a treat. So if you're lucky enough to go out there and rise up and make your film and do extremely well in this business or even just
1: do in this business, it's your duty to... Find an android human replicant, send them yep. up to Spaceship... Uh, yep. Replace yourself with them, and then send them rocketing back down in escape pod. The end.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, it is your duty to do that. Yeah. Uh, so until next Tuesday, when we
1: have on, who do we have on? Some other big time guest.
2: Yeah, that we might do. Uh, I think we need to do another business of film. Uh, so it's either next week or the weekend. A big time guest. Then- <laughs> Yeah, every time guest. Or, or... Uh, Take that, Stephen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Last time he makes um,
2: a dig at me. Yeah, but Phil Hawkins has finished his latest feature uh, film. Yeah. Uh, he's wrapped from that, so we can all jump back on a fantastic <laughs> business of film coming up for you. Oh, ah, yeah. we treat you well. Don't we? Like I say, go on, um, give us that five-star
1: review. Not sure about well, but we, we treat yeah,
2: you. Yeah, we definitely treat
1: you. Like a bit of wood <laughs> gets treated. <laughs>
2: And then gets damp constantly. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Out in the rain. Possibly breaks. Yeah. Pissed on by dogs.
1: Maybe thrown in the fire. Mm -hmm. That's how we treat you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's how we treat (laughs) you. (laughs) Uh, Only the best from the Film good podcast. Till next Tuesday, take care, everyone. Toodle pip. And go watch Faux. Out now. Take care. Yeah. Bye, Dom. Bye, Giles.